Well, greetings, friends. I hope this message finds you and your family doing well. Today is Sunday, April 26th. And we're going to begin looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 14 in particular. And what we're doing is we're going back now with the vantage point of the cross and living on this side of the cross. And we're looking back at those days and that time leading up to the cross and the resurrection. Because I think in there, there's something for us where we live now. And and so in the beginning of, of chapter 14, Jesus anticipates the sorrow of his disciples and, and they're already breaking hearts. And, and he gives them just amazing comfort. And as we read Jesus' words in, in these first six verses of chapter 14, we discover how deeply he cares for his disciples and, and how deeply he cares for us. Martin Luther called this passage of John chapter 14 the best and most comforting sermon that the Lord Jesus delivered on earth, a treasure and a jewel not to be purchased with the world's goods. These verses become the the foundation for comfort, not only for the disciples, but for us. You see, if we ever get to the point in our life where we think we've run out of escapes and there aren't any more places where we can rest, well, we find them here in these verses of chapter 14 of John, verse 1 through 6. So here as I read, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Do not let your heart be troubled. And in the original Greek, it literally means stop letting your hearts be troubled. You see, Jesus knew that the disciples were already troubled. In fact, they were more than likely terrified. They had been fully convinced that he was the Messiah, but the only real concept they ever had of the Messiah was as a mighty conqueror, a kind of superhero, a sovereign ruling king. Their hopes had just risen even higher when Jesus had come riding into Jerusalem and everyone had thrown palm branches down and worshipped him. Yet, interestingly, all the time, he was comforting them. You see, Jesus knew that they would scatter and forsake him later that same night. So here's the the agonizing shepherd facing the cross, yet comforting the sheep who are going to be scattered and forsaken. And Jesus says in verse 1 of John 14, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Which leads us to the first point we want to make today, and that is that we can trust His presence. We can trust his presence. What Jesus is really saying is you can trust my presence. Jesus is on an equal plane with God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In the Greek, that expression could either be imperative or indicative. 
Both forms are the same word. So, so in other words, he, he might be saying, you should believe in God and also in me, in, imperative, or you believe in God and you believe in me. It's indicative. There's no real distinction in that original text. But I think perhaps, however, what, what Jesus is saying, or another way of looking at that, or maybe a clearer way of looking at it, is you believe in God even though you can't see him. You, you also believe in me, so keep on believing. Your faith in me must not be diminished just because you will not see me. I'll still be present with you. You see, he wanted the disciples to understand that even though he was leaving them physically, his presence would be with them spiritually. He would be leaving, but they would always have access to God. In Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do, do not be afraid or, or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Such faith in this omnipresence of God was a, a basic tenet of, of the Jewish faith. And although they had never seen his form, all Jewish people believed implicitly that God was always present. Their history was was proof of his eternal care and protection. They had full faith and in an invisible God. Putting himself on the same level as God, Jesus urged the disciples to trust him even when he was not physically present. John 14.1 can maybe sometimes be misinterpreted to make it seem that Jesus was speaking about a saving faith. But he's not saying they should believe in him in order to be saved. We, they, they know they already believe in him. We know that. His meaning is, keep on trusting me. Keep on trusting me just as you are trusting God, even though I will not be visible. What he's trying to get across is that his visible presence is not nearly as significant as an understanding of his spiritual presence. He is there laboring on our behalf, even when we cannot see him. It's a theme that, that touches everything he teaches. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. That's Matthew 18, verse 20. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. And Peter finally understands, and years later he would write in 1 Peter chapter 1, 8, speaking of Jesus, Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We live with conflict, disappointment, and pain, and we, we all experience hours of deep tragedy and times of severe trial, but he is with us, whatever our trouble. Whatever mess we're in, whatever anxiety or perplexity we have, especially in these times, we need just remember that the Lord himself is here. He can be, ever, he can be wherever we need him. While, while he was here on earth, he, he could only be in one place at a time, but now he's available to all believers everywhere. And, and so to the next point, we can trust his promises. You see, we can trust his presence. And secondly, we can trust his promises. And in addition to that reassurance, he gives them some, some amazing promises. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. It's verse two. That last phrase is 
filled with significance. He, he wants us to know that just as the disciples, that he was not out to trick them. He, he's not out to trick us. He, he would not allow us to be deceived. They had many ideas and, and misconceptions that, that need to be corrected, but their hope of eternity in heaven with him is not one of those misconceptions. They've believed, for example, that, that the Messiah will be a conquering monarch, and, and he teaches them that first he, he has to be the suffering servant. And now for the record, he, he wants to reassure them that their expectation of eternity in his kingdom, it's real. He, they can trust it. In fact, in fact, his, his leaving will, will be only to bring the fulfillment of that expectation to, into being, into fruition. I, I go to prepare a place for you. Can, can we imagine how this must have had amazing comfort to them to realize for the first time why he is leaving? He, he, he isn't going just to get away from them. He's going to get things ready for them. It's important to note that he refers to heaven as my father's house. Jesus' favorite name for God is my father. Jesus, who dwelt forever right in the chest of the Father, came forth so that he can reveal the Father and what the Father has been up to all for all eternity. And, and now he'll be glorified by death, and he's going to back to full glory with the Father again in the Father's house. In, in the New Testament, heaven is, is often called a country, it's, I think, which emphasizes its bigness, its vastness. It, it's referred to as a city you know, a large number of people inhabit it. It's, it's a kingdom. There's a structure. There's order. Paradise. Beautiful. But one of my favorite expressions of heaven is my father's house. Going, going home to heaven will not be like going into a giant, unfamiliar place. We will be going home. It's our father's house. We're residents, not guests. It's a home. Not some place where we're uncomfortable. It's like, it's like home that has never been. And while heaven is infinitely vast, fellowship in heaven is intimate. In Revelation chapter 21, John, John wrote, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and, and they shall be his peoples, and God himself will be among them. He is there among his people, dwelling with them in unbroken and unhindered fellowship. John goes on and says, and he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death or no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. You see, heaven will be this indescribable, beautiful and glorious place. Imagine what it must be like Jesus, who, who created the universe in a week, has been laboring for two millennia, preparing heaven to be the habitation of his people. And the Lord Jesus is preparing it especially for his own. If it were not so, I would have told you, John 14, 2. He's saying, trust my promises. I've always told you the truth. And he continues, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's verse three. What reassurance. He will return again in person to receive us personally into the place that he's preparing. We can have complete confidence that he's coming back. We don't know when. In fact, Jesus is eager to return and claim his own. John 17, 24, he prays to, to the Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, 
be with me where I am so that they may see my glory. Jesus wants us with him as much as we want to be with him. He, he's coming back. And, you know, and that subject has been on the lips of believers all over the world, especially now, right? But, but it's always been. And, and, and today there, there does seem to be a heightened awareness, a deepening anticipation that Jesus could well come in this generation. You know what? He could come today. But even if he does not, we know that he will someday. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be on that planning committee. We just have to be the ones welcoming him. He desires it as much as we do. So if we can trust his presence and we can trust his promises, then thirdly, we can trust his person. The disciples must be completely bewildered when Jesus, talking about his departure, adds, and you know the way where I am going, as verse 4. You see, up to this point, they, they have completely resisted any idea of his leaving at all. And now they're, they're uncertain of anything. And, and Thomas may be drawing the shortest straw or, 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 or maybe uh, everyone steps backward and he's left in line, speaks for the rest and says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? That's verse 5. Thomas saying, you know, you know our knowledge stops at death. How can we go to the Father unless we die? You're going to die and go somewhere, but we don't know what's going on after death. We don't have any maps on how to get to the Father after you die. It's a good question. And Jesus' response, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. In other words, you don't need to know how to get there. You see, I'm coming to get you. It's, it's reaffirming of everything that he's promised to them. It's a beautiful promise. Have you ever been driving pre, pre-cell phones, pre-GPS days in an unfamiliar place, and you stop and ask directions? It's, of course, it's your spouse. It's, it's not you. If you're a guy, you can do that. But if your experience is like some that maybe I, rem- I remember, you, you've, you've probably had someone give you some complex set of directions that, you can't possibly understand roadside markers that you, you have no idea what they mean. Wouldn't it be so much better if that person would just say, hey, follow me, I'll take you there. And Jesus' desire is that we would f- all follow him because, you see, he is the only way. It's the way. It's open to all, but it is his way, the only way. And that is what Jesus does. He doesn't show us the direction to his father's house. He carries us there. We know we can trust him to take her, take us to the father's house. Trust me, Jesus says. You don't need a map. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the father. I am the truth. Whether in this world or the world to come, I am the life. I'm a, I am what is eternal. You see, Jesus Christ is everything we need. Everything that Adam lost and that we are still dealing with the results of, Jesus gains back. We can trust his presence, we can trust his promises, and we can trust his person because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And in a time such as this, I know of no greater comfort in the world than that. I want to close with Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 15 and 16. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. 
do not let me ever be put to shame, and your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress for your name's sake, leads me and guides me. Take me out of the net that is hidden from me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. And let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. And beloved, until we're all together again, may God hold us in the hollow of his hand. Amen.